<clears throat> On behalf of pastors Tim and Tricia Sanders, my name is Randall Esparza, and I would like to uh, welcome you to Spirit of Grace Church today. Uh, if we could open in prayer. Wonderful Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this day that you have made, Lord God. Let us rejoice, Lord God, in everything, Lord God, that you have given us today. We ask you, Lord God, for your presence in each and every classroom here today. We ask you to touch each and every family that's represented here at Spirit of Grace Church. We pray in your name, Lord God, that your wonderful anointing flow through each and every teacher today, Lord God. Let your presence, your mercy, and your grace be felt. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Excuse me, it happens every time I get up to speak. Um, but I noticed things have changed here a little bit since last time I've been up here, and this is really subtle, and you probably wouldn't have figured it out. I didn't even figure it out until today, but your pastor is trying to make better teachers and uh, that with his group of teachers up here he's taken like the altar and like condensed it like so I think that means that I have to memorize more and that could be a huge huge issue for me so anyway um, Obviously, Pastor Tricia has gone out east with Owen, uh, visiting Patsy, so let's keep them in our prayers this week as uh, they're gone, and uh, not only Patsy and Tricia and Owen, but, you know, the families, uh, Tricia's brother and her family, and obviously, you know, Pastor Tim and Declan, but, uh, you know, I just... I'm just very, very, very thankful, and I just want to say this. Uh, I'm very thankful that every time we gather, our Lord Jesus Christ shows up. He shows up, and he blesses us through the anointing of our pastor, through the anointing of our teachers. And, you know, I'm, I'm just very, very thankful to be in a church family that believes that Jesus is still alive that Jesus is still here doing miracles and you know speaking to us and leading and guiding us because you know what it doesn't always happen everywhere people go and uh, I'm also thankful that God for years and years and years and years uses old people talking about you guys not me no okay I'll just somewhat behave and you know that's a little stretch for me but you know anyway I just wanted to you know share a little bit you know what God has impressed me to to visit with you about today is actually this guy and his wife in Genesis and you know this guy doesn't even really come onto the scene until he's about 75 years old. And his wife is 65, and, you know, it, I think, I mean, if you do the math, that's what it appears to be anyway. And, you know, but Abram or Abraham, and I don't want to get into that 
whole thing. So if I say Abraham and he, and he was Abram before that, you guys get who I mean and don't say, hey, caught you on a technicality, he was still Abram. Because you know what? I'm not that good. So, but anyway, you know, this guy, 75 years old, and that's when he comes onto the scene. And at 75, you know, I'm thinking, you know what? If, if Jesus allows me to live until I'm 75, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know what? I'm, I'm on cruise control at that point. You know, I mean, I hope that he doesn't, you know, ask me to go, you know, start a church like in Seoul, South Korea or Mexico or China because I don't know if I'd listen if he did that. And... <clears throat> Well, I don't know, because I'll tell you what, I was sitting at home yesterday minding my own business. I mean, doing nothing. And someone actually in this sanctuary right now calls me hard-headed. And I didn't understand it whatsoever what she meant, but I thought it was really, really rude. That may or may not be the full story. Read between the lines on that one. But, you know, I'm not sure that, you know what, if Jesus said, hey, I want you to go do this, that I'd be all on board. I mean, you know, I might do it, but there might be some complaining along the way, a little negotiation. I'm interested in negotiating sometimes. A little negotiation, that type of thing. And then not only that, you have, you know, family that you have to take into consideration and sometimes they're not always on board with what God you know maybe and you don't even get it but what you think God is talking to you about because it's kind of a big deal but anyway this Abram guy back to this you know this story or this history if you will you know God says hey I need you to move I need you actually to like move over here, and I'm not going to get every town, I'm not going to get every um, thing there, but he says, you know, I need you to take your family, your livestock, and you need to move. So what does he do? He takes all of his livestock and his family, and he moves, you know, to a different area. And, you know, he did what God said at 75 years old, and he brought his, his nephew um, and his wife Sarah and, you know, they moved out of Haran, and it says all of his wealth, his livestock and the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed to the land of Canaan. So this guy, I mean, it's not like, you know what? I'm a minimalist. I'm just going to take, you know, my suitcase, and I'm taking off. This guy actually was moving probably his whole business. I mean, you know, he had stuff. You know, he like, you know, had livestock, he had family, he had people. And he's saying, yep, hey, we're moving now, just so you know, because guess what? The Lord, and I also have a difficult time because, you know, I most of the time call God Jesus. So, and I know that. You guys just got to keep in mind that this is Old Testament and I'm kind of a mess. So when I say Jesus, I really mean God. And to me, they're the same guy. So just so you know, 
Um, anyway, so the Lord goes to him and he appears to him and he says, hey, I'll give you this land. So, you know, the first thing that he did is he obeyed. How many times, how many times in life and how long does it take sometimes for you to obey? But Abram did it. He obeyed. And then what the Lord does is he says, you know what? I'm going to give you this land. Look around. This is yours. And so what does he do? Not only does he obey, but he built an altar. He built an altar to, to worship his Lord. He built an altar to worship. And so, you know, this guy at this point in his life is obedient. And, you know, after that, he travels south and he sets up a camp and, you know, and then he goes to Bethel and it, and it says, there he built another altar and dedicated it, you know, to the Lord. So everywhere it seemed so far that this guy was going, you know what? He wanted Jesus. He wanted God to be there with him. How many times? Do I hustle out of the house in the morning and it's like, yep, one, two, skip a few, love you, Jesus, thank you. I've done it probably last week. But you know what, this guy, and you know, obviously culture is different now, you know, we're not going to, you know, hey, you know, Got my cell phone, got my wood. I'm going to go build an altar wherever I go. It's not that way. But you know what? This guy tried to be de dedicate his life to the Lord. And then, you know, and then, you know, famine strikes. And then, you know, in the land of Canaan, and forcing him to go down to Egypt. And I really, really like it when people in the Bible screw up because it makes me feel better about myself. And, you know, I'm not saying I lie to Jesus all the time but or to other people all the time. Do I? I'm sure I have. Do I tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, and so help me God every time I, something comes out of my mouth? Probably not. One time, I don't even know I'm going to share this, but I'm going to share this, you know. There was this guy that worked with us, and he was going to do a side job. And this was, I mean, I was really, really young. So, I mean, you just have to say, you know, well, he was just really young and, you know, not real spiritual at the time. But they kept saying, so where's John today? And I knew where John was because he went to do a side job for someone I knew. And, of course, I didn't say anything about it because I just thought, well, I don't want to get John in trouble, and he's doing this side job for me. And, you know... And lo and behold, all this time, this guy knew where John was because John told him, and I'm sitting here, oh, yeah, I can't say a word. And so what happens? You know, I kind of look stupid, but, you know, John got the job done. You know, the guy still likes me. I still talk to this guy daily, or not daily, but I still talk to this guy from time to time. And, you know, sometimes we just do things that are kind of stupid that really doesn't matter in the, you know, whole scheme of things. But... You know, Abram, it's like, and even at 65 or 67 or when this was, Sarai, Sarah must have been kind of a hottie because he says, hey, don't tell him that you're my wife. You're my sister if anyone asks. And um, so, you know, so he goes to, you know, 
to, you know, this land and says, hey, you know, uh, can we hang out here for a little while? And, you know, my paraphrasing, you guys just got to say, oh, that's Randy, and he's just kind of a mess, but you just kind of got to get the story, okay? And so if, you know, I get too far off track, just pray a little prayer for me, okay? But, you know, they go and, you know, nope, that's my sister. And then, you know, things happen, and I don't know if Pharaoh started a wedding, but... It says, but the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply. What have you done to me, he demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister and allowed me to take her as my wife? Or allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and get out of here. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure it was probably more angry than that. And sometimes when we, we read God's word, we don't, you know. I bet there was yelling back then. I mean, I bet it wasn't, could you please take your hottie and please leave? Because you're kind of messing with my sobriety here. That's a chain breakers joke. But anyway, you'll get it. <clears throat> You're part of chain breakers anyway. But, um, but you know, Pharaoh says, hey, get out of here. Get out of here. And you know what? Guess what happens next? He leaves. And then, you know, one, two, skip a few again. And then they talk about Abram and Lot and you know, so they, they leave the whole Pharaoh area, and then, you know, they have drama amongst themselves. Again, these people had their stuff, you know, and it, the, the land, you know, it's like, hey, this land isn't big enough for the both of us, so, you know, you need to go. But Abram, this is an interesting part. He says, go ahead, you pick. You decide where you want to go. So he gives Lot first choice. And the interesting thing about that is, is Lot, you know, picks land over here, you know, and, you know, it's, he picks the land over by Sodom and Gomorrah. If you think about that, so that's a whole different story. That's a whole different story, but that's where he picks. And then, you know, so he leaves, and, you know, he, he took the fertile plains. You know, it says, you know, in, in chapter 13, and I'm not having you go to all this because this is a lot, but, you know, he says, Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord in the beautiful Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chooses for his, himself this area. And it says, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to him, he was talking to, to Abram, he says, look as far as you can see, every direction in the north, south, east, and west. I'm going to give you this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. 
and I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk in every, the land in every direction, for I am giving the, it to you. So what does he do? This guy, he, obey, he obeys. So Abram goes and he walks. And then guess what he does after that? He starts walking and what does he do? He goes and builds another altar. This guy, I mean, Menards would have loved him. I mean, he's like going all over building these altars. But you know, this guy, even though, you know, a few years back, you know, yeah, I pretty much told that guy that she was my sister. This guy, you know what, is serious about his relationship with God. And he goes and he obeys. How many times do I, you know, hey, Jesus, think you're great, love you, and race out of my house and to the next thing and to the next thing? How many times do I do that? I want to share with you how many times, but, you know, I've maybe done that a time or two this week. I'm just going to be honest with you. I was a little desperate today. So, you know, I've been in earnest prayer because you know what? I can't do this stuff up here without him. I just can't. If I do it without him, well, it's not good to begin with, but it's worse if I do it without him. But God, by the grace of God, this guy... Abram, you know what? He looks to God and says, hey, I'm going to build an altar. What's an altar for? An altar is to worship. An altar is to worship. Everywhere that Abram went, he wanted an altar by him. And, you know, I'm going to skip a couple chapters, but it talks about Abram rescuing Lot and then another blessing. But then... In, in chapter 15, it says, you know, sometime later, the sp Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and you and your reward will be great. But Abram applied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? since you have given me no children. I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like Abram maybe was done believing that God was going to bless him with a son. That sounds maybe like Abram actually was whining a little bit. Have you ever, ever whined to the Lord. Come on, Jesus. I'm 75 years old, 79 or 80. Maybe he's 82 by that time. You said you'd give me a son. I don't know about you, but at 82, I hope that ship has sailed. I don't want a kid at 72 or 82 or 86. 
fact, I might get angry with Jesus if that happened. Be like, wow, are you crazy? But you know what? Abram, not only was he obedient, it appears that he didn't really, to this point in his life, think that anything that his Lord was doing was crazy. It didn't appear that way. But, you know, hey, you know, you tell me all this stuff. I mean, can you imagine, have you ever had this conversation with Jesus? I haven't lately, and I haven't that I remember, but, yeah, you tell me all this stuff. You're going to give me this. This is more like you'd maybe have with, like, a human. You give me this. You say you're going to give me this. You're going to give me that. You know, but here we are. You still haven't delivered. That's kind of what he's saying here. You still haven't delivered. Poor me. Poor me. You know, Again, I don't get it. But, the, but then it says, then the Lord said to him, know your servant. And, and, you know, he talks about, you know, servants. And, you know, then his, you know, servant is going to have to, you know, inherit his wealth and all this. And then the Lord says to him, no, your servant will not be your heir. For you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and he said look up to the sky and count the stars if you can that's how many descendants you will have and Abram again believed the Lord there was some disbelief there but it says he believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith you know and then you know it goes on you know about Okay, I'm going to preface this part, okay? I skipped the class in college. Actually, I didn't go to college, but I skipped that class, how to be a good husband, okay? I didn't take it. But neither did he. Because what does Abram do? First of all, he listens to his wife. Hey, I can't get pregnant, so why don't you go have a baby with my maid? How crazy is that? How, th how can that be good? I mean, to me, that's got jealousy and envy written all over it. And I hate to judge Jesus, and it's easy for me to stand up here. I'm sure Pastor or Paul could tell you the exact amount, but some 10,000 years later or whatever it is and say, Jesus, why did you have him do that? Why did he do that? Because that just doesn't seem like it could be a good idea. And, but he did it. And now he's got this, you know, kid with a baby mama and they live with them. I mean, this just does not look like it would be you know, a successful time for any of them. I just, I don't get it. And, you know, and again, I'm obviously not a Bible scholar, but, you know, how does this even work? And it obviously doesn't work because, you know, then 
Sarai gets upset and, you know, she basically kicks the, you know, Hagar out and Ishmael out and, you know, that's a whole other story that I can't get into. But you know what? They keep traveling. They keep going. And Abram, Abraham maybe by now, I don't know, they keep doing what they're doing. And then it says, and this here is if you don't get anything else, okay, it says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I guarantee to give you countless descendants. Abram fell face down to the ground and God said to him, This is my covenant. I will make you a father of multitude. I'm not going to get into what he asks Abram to do. It's verse 17 of Genesis. Go read it yourself, but it gets graphic. Anyway, but you know what? The point is, is serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Do you want Jesus to move in your life? Do you want Jesus' promises? I'll tell you what, if you open up this book and you look, Jesus has got a promise for you in your life. Each and every one of us, he's got a promise for. All we have to do is a couple things. Serve him faithfully and live a blameless life. I have to look at myself and say, hmm, this is fun. How's this blameless thing working for me? I didn't, I mean, I stood up here and I didn't even tell you the whole truth. I told you my wife called me hard-headed yesterday. That was after I called her big-headed. <laughs> the fisticuffs didn't come out. I'm just going to be real honest with you. It was all in a joke. But serve him faithfully and live a blameless life. What does my life look like right now? What does it look like? Do I serve God faithfully? I try. Do I try 24-7? Nope. But I try. God wants us to serve him faithfully and then live a blameless life. I can tell you, ladies, I can't fill in that blameless life for a lady. I don't get it. I didn't take that class. Okay? I know some things, you know, about fellas that, you know, we should definitely steer clear of to live a blame, blameless life. You know, you fill in the blank because we each have it. Each and every one of us has, you know, parts of our lives that, you know what, that's really not blameless. But you know what, by the grace of God, by, by the grace of God, he is waiting for us, each and every one of us, to serve him faithfully and live a blameless life. You know, one thing about this Abraham guy, you know, 
every, well, in God's word, it seems like every time he was told to do something, he did it. I'll promise you, I'll give you the key to that. I will give you the key, and you may think I sound really wise, but I'm not. Because you know what I bet happened prior to that that you don't hear? I bet Abraham was saying to Jesus, to our Lord Jesus Christ, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I, you know, I mean, this, God appeared to this guy, you know, I mean, several times. And I don't think he did that just because, you know what? I'm going to pick that guy. It's not like, you know, Noah and the ark. It's like, here you go. Now you're the only one left, you and your boys and your wife. That's it. Their wives. It wasn't that. Abraham, I mean, in, you know, in chapter 11, it you know, talks about the lineage of Abraham, and I'm sure you can trace that obviously back to Noah. You know, all of that. You know, back to Adam, I'm sure all of that. I didn't get into that, but you know what? Abraham was not like, I mean, he was in the middle of, you know, several, several other people. But you know what? God saw something in Abraham and says, you know what? I'm going to visit that man. You know, this whole world is going to be based upon that man. Some 85, 90-year-old guy. And he's telling them, hey, just work with me here. Live a blameless life. Serve me. What does God want you, how does he want you to serve him? Because he wants each and every one of us to serve him. He wants, each, he wants a relationship with each and every one of us. And you know what? Abraham felt face down to the ground, and then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. And, you know, again, I'm not going to go too far into that, but you know what? He sought the Lord Jesus Christ in each and every part of his life. He screwed up, but guess what? After he screwed up, who was there again? God was there. After you screw up, After you tell your wife she's big-headed, guess what? God is going to be there again. God is going to be there again. All we have to do is look up and say, Jesus, please be with me. Please touch my heart. Please touch my soul. You know, I'm so thankful because you know what? Jesus shows up here a lot. I'm just going to share something with you. You know, So there's this prayer thing that happens on Wednesdays. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were praying. And, you know, Sandy says something about being set free. We pray for a lot of you people. Not going to tell you what we pray about, but we pray. For a lot of you people. So a couple weeks ago, Sandy says something about being set free. And it's like, wow, that is so good. That is awesome. So then last week, 
you know, Brian comes to prayer. And we're praying again. And Sandy's praying again. And Brian finishes her sentence about being set free. And it's like, what a confirmation that is. You weren't here a week ago, and you finished her sentence. That was God. And then Carol, we're closing on Wednesday, and Carol's got the nerve to say something to the effect of, Lord God, let this not be the end of you using us today. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes when I go to prayer, it's like, okay, got that box checked. Okay, now you know what? I'm leaving you here, Jesus, and I'm gone. Thanks. But she has a nerve to say, let us not, this not be the last time you use us today. So I, you know, was going to meet Brian for lunch, and I had a couple things to do in the middle. So I says, hey, can you meet me in like 45 minutes? It's like, oh, my gosh. So I leave here, and this customer of mine you know I saw that he'd called me and he lives right over in this area and I knew what he wanted and he wanted to give me a check so I called him I says hey what's up and he says well I stopped by but no one was at your office I said you know what I'm five minutes away so I go there and he's standing outside and I start talking to this guy and he starts telling me you know, about his life and issues in his life. And have you ever heard the still, small voice of God? I'm just going to be real honest with you. Sometimes because my wife tells him I'm hard-headed, sometimes it's not still and sometimes it's not small. And I heard that voice of God and it's like, are you gonna? It's like, uh, are you gonna? And so, you know, it's like, this is Carol's fault because she did not have to pray, you know, let this not be the last part that you use us today. And it's like, okay, I will. So I start talking to him a little bit about, you know, his life and the, and the, the needs that he tells me about. And I give him this card. I don't know if he'll ever show up here. But you know what? Jesus, at that point, wanted me to be obedient. Okay, so I think, okay, now you're done, Jesus, right? Okay, let me go take care of my business. So I go, and I had to go to the bank, and I had to sign this thing, and then I go meet Brian. And, you know, it's not like we had these with us. It's not like we were, you know, sitting at Chili's, thus saith the Lord. He's with us. And all of a sudden, you know, we're just talking, and this guy comes up to, to us. Hey, I hear you talking about Jesus. And it's like, okay, we didn't have our microphones. I don't know how you heard it. Dude, you're older than I am, and I can't hear very good. So how did you hear us? I don't know if God, you know, fixed his ears when Carol prayed that. I don't know what was happening there. But we have this conversation about God. We have this conversation about God, and the next thing you know, I'm handing him a Spirit of Grace card. It's a twofer. <laughs> Thinking this is crazy. And then, our waitress comes up. Oh my gosh, you guys are talking about God. I'm so thankful for everything that God has done in my life. We start talking to this waitress. 
And it's like, Carol, don't pray that again. <laughs> but we start talking to this waitress. And this waitress actually has never been here. But guess what? She's got a connection here. She's got a connection here. So we're talking to her and we're saying, you know what? We're going to pray about this. And you know what? So we're sitting in Chili's, you know, not even two hours after, you know, Carol says, yeah, you know, don't let this be it. And I give her a card too. And it's like, I haven't given out three cards in the whole last three months. And here I do three in two hours. Is that like a miracle of Randall? Am I all spiritual? You guys know better. You guys know way better than that. But you know, I'll tell you, you know what? Walk blameless and be faithful to your Lord Jesus Christ and he will use you. God has a promise for each and every one of us. You know what? We can go through life all the time and you know what? We can be busy screwing it up. But you know what? Our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ wants to use each and every one of us to bless others, to further his kingdom. And I am so thankful. <clears throat> you know, I'm not the evangelist in the room, I'll promise you. I'm not that. I'm not that. But if you get here, there's a guy and he's not here today. But this is what he says to me. He texts me. We have this text relationship. And he says, and this has been going on for a few months, and he says, just so you know, I'm going to be out of town this weekend. And basically what he says is, so I don't need a text that, you know, we missed you and where were you. So I'm letting you know. Because, you know, if I don't see you, and I try to maybe not do as much to ladies, but if I don't see you and you're a guy, and I have your text number, I'm probably going to text you and say, hey, think you're great. We missed you today. And I don't go as far to say, where were you? I've thought it sometimes, but I don't, you know, Jesus has to fix me so many times. It's not easy being him. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, seriously, can you imagine all the people and all the attitudes that he looks at? And it's like, oh my gosh, I got to fix that one again today. And I got that one to fix because, you know, he's kind of, a mess. He's kind of cranky. But our Lord Jesus Christ looks through all that. You know what? They're my children and I love them. They're my children and I love them. And you know what? Even through their mess, even through Abraham's mess, I'm going to have a baby with my wife's maid. Even through that, Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to continue I'm going to continue to use him. And he does. That's the God you serve. He doesn't give up on you. He doesn't give up on me. If he was giving up, I'm going to promise you by the time I was 24, he would have said, get him out of here. Praise God. I'm so thankful that we have a God that no matter what our mess is, he doesn't see it. He says, you know what? I'm going to use you. Be faithful. Live a blameless life.
That's what our Lord Jesus Christ wants from each and every one of us. I don't know if I'm even going to get to my scripture portion today, you know, but, you know, in verse chapter uh, 21, And this is the birth of Isaac. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son for Abraham at his old age. This happened just in time, just at just the time God said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days later, Isaac... Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him, and God had, as God had commanded, Abraham was a hundred years old. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son at his old age. So that's at 100. And 90, they have this kid. You know, I mean, you can sit here and listen to me for a half hour. And, you know, I mean, we go from 65 and 75 to 190. You know, this is 25 years of living with God. This is, you know, some of you people are barely, you know, that old. Others of us? Well, fill in the blank. How long have I lived for God? How long have I been doing what God wants me to do? How many times have I screwed up? Lots. I'll fill in that blank for you. How many times have I screwed up? And I just see sometimes... My Lord, my Jesus Christ, looking at me up there, shaking his head, saying he did it again. But I love him. But I love him. And if he can try and be blameless, and if he can try and be faithful, I'm going to use him again. If we can try and be blameless, if we can try and be faithful, God will use us. Is it easy? No. Is it easy for God to use us after we've been not blameless and not faithful? I don't know. I'm not Jesus. But you know what? If I were, you know, that would be difficult. Can you imagine how quick our Lord Jesus Christ forgives I mean, seriously, think about that. You're his kid, and it's like, oh my gosh, they screwed up again. But you know what? Come Wednesday, Carol's going to pray that crazy prayer, and I'm going to have to use him again, so I better forgive him now. God, in his infinite wisdom, already has our steps ordered. What will you allow God to do in your life? As I told you before, I'm drawing the line. I don't want to be raising a kid when I'm like 97, not interested. 
you know what? God. 75, I want to be on cruise control. Seriously, but what? But what if God says? Because if God says, he's going to give me the way, the means, and the body to do it. He's going to give me the way to do it. And I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it looks like, but God, if each and every one of us, if each and every one of us submit our hearts and our minds and become blameless and faithful, God will continue to move in Spirit of Grace Church. God has transformed Spirit of Grace Church again after COVID. God has transformed chain, chain breakers again. I mean, it was like we filled that hole upstairs and then, you know, COVID happened and, you know, then it was down to a few faithful and, you know what? I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but I count. A few weeks back, there were like 42 or 43 people at Chain Breakers. Is that because Nicole is so pretty? Maybe. Is that because Bradley's so handsome? Could be. But you know what? Really what it is, is you know what? Our pastor had a vision. I don't even get this. Okay, you know, and I say this, I've said this, you know, a few times before, but I would imagine between my beautiful wife, our pastor, and his wife, and you can even throw in Cheryl Perkins for that matter, I bet they haven't drank a six-pack between them. But yet he had a vision before he ever even got to Spirit of Grace Church that he would have a restoration ministry in his church. And God obviously said, I'm down with that. And then, you know what? We had something here. God obviously wasn't down with it because it didn't really go anywhere. But then a few years later, it's like, now is the time. Just watch me. COVID doesn't really affect me. Obedience, that affects me. That affects me. So Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, wants obedience from you. He wants obedience from me. He wants us to live blameless lives. And then he says, you know what? You do that, and I'm going to give you the increase. I'll do it in the middle of COVID. I'll do it whenever. Just be obedient unto me. Just have a vision. Just dream dreams that I would have you dream. Sometimes you wake up, if you're like me, and it's like, if you do remember your dream, it's like, where did that come from? And I don't even mean it was like bad or ugly. It's just like, that was weird. But you know what? Jesus wants us to dream. But the dreams he wants us to dream are the dreams that he would be in and the obedience unto him. And you know what? As long as we do that and as long as we act how God wants us to act and we obey like this Abraham guy did every time, 
Yep, I'll arise again. I'll arise and walk. I'll do it. And then after I do it and I'm obedient, I'm going to go build an altar for you just so you know Jesus. And then I'm going to worship you there. Wow. What a man of God this guy was. Was he perfect? Just like you and I? No. Did he allow himself to be used by God? Yes. That's what God wants. We're obviously, if you look at, you know, the bare carpet here and, you know, pieced in there, we're in the middle of a chapter. Who does God want you to talk to? Who does God want you to minister to? Not really good at inviting people to church. I need to improve on that. But once you're here, I want to pray with you. I want to do what God would have me do for you. God uses each and every one of us in a different way. God uses each and every one of us in the way he wants to use us. The guy who brought me to church, he was relentless. He was politely relentless. And he always said to me, or not always, but he said to me from time to time, yeah, I can't give you the scripture, I can't do anything like that, but I'm kind of a tow truck. It's like, wow, never thought of that. You know, I'm a tow truck to get people to church. After that, hey, I'm done. I did my job. God has a job for each and every one of us within this body. Why is he using this body? Because you know what? Because we say, you know what, God? I want to be found blameless and faithful. And God is using this body to reach this area. God is using this body to touch lives. You know, we've seen miracles in the past months. Why is that? Because God has chosen to do miracles. And what does that do for us? You know, I'll tell you what, it makes my faith much stronger when I see the miracles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. My pastor doesn't reprimand me a lot. But one time a few months ago, I was standing up here and it got a little windy. My message got quite a bit longer than it should have. And he jokingly said, you know, you're late today, but, you know, I looked around and people were paying attention. It's like, okay, so that's a really, really nice, soft, like, be on time, old man. So I'm not even going to get to my whole scripture today, but 
you know, Isaac was born. This is what I need to leave you with because this is really what the message is about. A, be obedient. B, Isaac was born. Isaac was raised. Okay? Again, you start doing the math. And so, you know, they raise Isaac and all of a sudden God says, Hey, Abraham, we're not done yet. I want you to go offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Okay, God, you're crazy. You give me a child when I'm 100, and you say, I'm going to have all these descendants, all these descendants all over, but I want you to go offer him as a sacrifice. How's your math going to work there, Lord? How's that going to work? That's Randall Esparza, okay? That's not Abraham. What does Abraham do? So the next day he gets up, he arises, because, you know, every time God asks him to do something, he does it. He arises, he gets his boy, he gets a couple of the other fellas. I'm sure those fellas knew his boy, may have even been his friends, who knows? And then it says that he goes and cuts the wood. And then they walk for three days. This guy's got to be at least 115 years old. Okay? How do I know that? Because it says that they walk for, and on the third day it says, you know, that Abraham says, you guys stay here. And me and the lad, is what I think what they called him, will go. And then he takes the wood and he puts on Isaac's back. You know, in the little kid story, you know, when you think about it, I, you know, thought of this, like, little toddler, and he's going to go, you know, he's going to go with him, and he's going to sacrifice him or whatever. And I don't even really think that because that's not good things to think about. But that's what he said. I want you to offer him for a sacrifice. So then it says he goes and puts the wood on the lad's back. Okay, so this young fella, this Isaac, he had to be big enough and strong enough to carry the wood. He wasn't four and a half years old. He had to be big enough to carry the wood. A teenager. Guess what teenagers have? They have their own mind. I mean, in my house, it'd be like, yeah, I'll carry some of it, but you're carrying some too. That's what the teenager would have said. At best. Maybe on a bad day, it'd be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Have a good day. Not even coming with you. I mean, teenagers are cool. I mean... I wish I were a teenager again, because you know what? I'm really smart now, and I could be a really legit teenager. But that ship has sailed. Let's call it what it is. But, but anyway, this kid goes. He carries the wood. And then he says, Dad. And this isn't this kid's first sacrifice. Because he said, Dad, we don't have a lamb for the sacrifice. 
He'd been to a sacrifice before. He knows what's happening. I'm just going to be real quick and real plain with you. That lamb is charred to nothing. That's what that sacrifice is about. So they build this altar. And again, you're talking at least 115 to 15 years old, you know, maybe 14. Okay, 114 to 14 years old. And it doesn't say this, and I understand, and you guys got to run with me, but, you know, this isn't the commentary of Randall Esparza. You can't find that on Google, so don't look for it. But you know what? I start looking at this and I think, okay, 114 to 14, 115 to 15, 120 to 20. This kid, he didn't say, that's okay, Dad. I'll hop up here on this altar and you can burn me to death. Tie me up, though, please. It didn't happen that way. And it doesn't say in there that, you know, they had this conversation. It doesn't say that says the Lord will provide the sacrifice. I don't believe that Isaac just, again, this is my commentary, sorry, but I don't believe he just says, you know what? I'm going to hop up here. I believe this kid was wise. I believe this kid was a man of God. Jesus going to bring him back to life? How would you do? How would you do if it's like, yep, this is a day you're going to die, and it's not going to be a good death? I'm sure there were tears. I'm sure there was what ifs. But this kid gets up on the altar tied up. And Abraham starts to take the knife or the axe or whatever he had. And Jesus says, no. Abraham was going to submit his kid. Everything. That kid was everything to him. Abraham was going to give it to God and say, you know what? Here you go. You gave it to me. And God made a way. What does our Lord Jesus Christ, and again, I'm sorry because I, you know, didn't even get to everything I was going to do, but I'm going to tell you this. What does our Lord Jesus Christ want us to lay on the altar? What does he want each and every one of us to lay on the altar? Because you know what? He's got something that he's saying, you know what? Just lay this on the altar. But you know what? Not only does he say, lay this on the altar, but you know what? He also says, I'm going to make a way. Your Lord Jesus Christ has a way. If you just take what he wants you to lay down, he's got something better for you. Isaac laid down, and you know what? One thing I forgot to tell you, it says, you know, when they left the other fellas, he says, we'll be back. Did Abraham really know that they were going to be back? He didn't say, yeah, I'll be back. Take a good look at your buddy because he's done. Abraham said, we'll be back. Our Lord Jesus Christ wants each and every one of us to look 
in our hearts, in our minds, and look and see what is the most near and dear to us. And he wants us to lay it on the altar. That's what God wants from each and every one of us. Is that easy to do? Obviously not. Think about what's the most near and dear to you. Do you want to lay it on the altar? Nope, I don't. But that's what God wants from each and every one of us. And once we do lay it on the altar, he sets us free again. Every time he makes a way. Wonderful Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for your touch, your mercy, your grace, and your presence. We ask you, Lord God, for your will, your way.